Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Thank you so much for tuning back into the show if you're returning. If you're new, this is a podcast all about how some of the most innovative and interesting brands in the world today are becoming more authentic specifically through mobilizing their masses and harnessing the consumer's voice. And today we're releasing on a Tuesday, of course, yesterday being MLK, and in remembrance of that, we didn't have a pod. But in general, regardless, with this one, I thought I might shake things up a bit. I'm on with Shake Shack and their chief marketing officer, Jay Livingston. And so you'll hear all about the really interesting ways in which Shake Shack is capturing the customer experience and letting that inform everything that they do. What I really appreciated about this chat with Jay was in the advice section at the very end. Because, to be honest with you, a lot of times I get some pretty common answers to that question and maybe it's because there really is only one or two good answers when it comes to building a more authentic brand and building more direct relationships. Jay had a slightly different opinion on it, which is something that I really valued and I told him so even after our recording, but I tune in for that. Regardless, he's a great guy. I was actually trying to get him on this podcast back when he was at Bark, and now I'm glad that I've got him here. So I'll sit back and let you hear that interview. So without further ado, this is from Shake Shack, Jay Livingston. All right, everybody, I am here with Shake Shack, specifically Jay Livingston. He's here to tell us a little bit about what they're up to. Jay, how you doing? First of all, thanks so much for coming on the show. Adam, thanks for having me. I got to say that I had you in mind for this podcast even before your Shake Shack days. This is the true story. Uh, uh, for, for listeners, uh, Jay was previously at Bark, another fantastic company, and something that uh, you know I was really interested in getting his perspective on in the context of that. But to get Jay's perspective on just how he leads and how he operates was of personal importance. So a little tidbit, a little bit of trivia there. So I'm definitely glad that we could manifest that in our conversation today. And we'll focus on the burgers, the fries, and of course, the shakes. Um, but I want to start, before any of that, I'd love to know a little bit about your journey in getting to this point. What, what Shake Shack did to, uh, to woo you? Yeah, it's been a long and winding road, I think, career-wise, um, to this point. You know, it's funny, at its core... I've always loved burgers and shakes. I grew up in the South and there was something very appealing to me about the comfort food around great burger and shake places uh, that I would I would go to growing up in Knoxville, Tennessee. And so I think like a lot of us that end up in sort of dream jobs in our career, there's something about that early that's established in our DNA. Um, and on top of that, I had seen Danny Meyer speak at the 92nd Street Y years ago and just was so impressed with him and the way he brought a business approach to hospitality that I had never heard before and then read the book Setting the Table. And so watching the Shake Shack story in New York, I've been here about 10 years, and as Shake Shack really started to take off, I, I just loved this great story of such an authentic, but yet also kind of groundbreaking brand and company. And, and that's what kind of had Shake Shack on my mind. And then so when, when uh, they reached out and I got the opportunity to talk to them, I was super excited about it. Well, it sounds great. And I, I want to hear a little bit from you just from the brand perspective now being at the helm of the brand, just about how Shake Shack has proliferated that, uh, that, that those humble beginnings, that, that roadside feel to become the chain that it is today. Yeah, you know, Shake Shack, our origin is really from fine dining and out of one of the best restaurants in the world, 11 Madison Park. 
And the idea eventually was serving that fine dining burger with those great ingredients and um, a big dose of hospitality along with it in a sort of straightforward environment where um, the masses could enjoy it. And so uh, I think when the first shack in Madison Square Park really started and then also got to uh, was there for several years before they even thought of a second. And I think it was seven years or so before Shake Shack started adding multiple shacks after that. I think that gave the brand and the business real time to mature and understand its operations and their guests and kind of the unique product market fit that they brought. Uh, and there wasn't this pressure immediately to scale up. They never envisioned that they would scale up when they started it in Madison Square Park. And so uh, that's been a big part of, I think, the success now that we're opening a new Shake Shack every four days somewhere in the world. Um, to kind of be able to grow like that, you have to have a really solid foundation. And I think that's that served us well. Yeah, I think and, and, and to... Uh, to echo to echo your sentiment, it's really really interesting what what went into taking that that fine dining experience, even to something you know I, I think of even the word shack, and I'm like, all right, well that doesn't scream fine dining to me, but I obviously understand the meaning between it uh, between the two, and I have enjoyed uh, in Mass Square Park. I've enjoyed uh, the, from the original location, and uh, I totally get that feel. You just mentioned uh, opening a new store every four days, which, by the way, seems like a pretty crazy expansion uh, around the world, and how the foundation is so important as well. I want to talk about your foundations just for a second, uh, specifically in what you are doing to grow your team just as the organization itself is expanding. And when we talk about the values that, that you have, and I'm sure that you've carried from your vast experiences elsewhere, uh, what are some of the guiding principles that you just carry with you day to day and maybe not to build up Shake Shack necessarily though that's of course important but just in building up a brand that to your own words you describe as something that's very authentic and whether it be building a brand building relationships with consumers I understand it's a bit of an all-encompassing question but essentially I'm kind of looking to figure out how Jay ticks here and uh, if there are a few principles at hand that you use to guide you it'd be interesting to know about them. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I had a real benefit, I've had a real benefit in my career of spending, you know, 20 years at Bank of America, where I really got to see a business scale from sort of a mid-sized regional bank when I started um, out of college. I was recruited out of undergrad, and then we ended up as the fourth most profitable company in the world 16 years later. And, you know, in many ways, Bank of America was a retail business during that time, and I really got to see um, all the things that go along with growth for better or for worse. And then toward the end of that, I started angel investing and then, you know, left the bank and became chief market officer of BarkBox, which was a hyper growth D2C company that was out there doing a lot of innovative things kind of at the early stages of growth. And I think the combination of those two kind of positions really prepared me well for Shake Shack, which we sometimes joke is like a public startup, right? We're a public business, but we're very much early and in a growth phase. And so I think of the principles that I learned from both that big growth story of Bank of America, as well as um, the kind of very hyper growth focused bark box. Um, when I think of what I want to bring to Shake Shack and apply here. And one of those guidelines is certainly authenticity, right? 
authenticity about being true to who you are, knowing who you are, um, not sacrificing on integrity or on your principles or ever going after the quick opportunity, but really staying just really crude. Um, really staying close to the core of your DNA. And I think we're super lucky that we have a founder with Danny Meyer, who's chairman of the board, and then a CEO with Randy Grudy, who has been here since the very beginning. He's really almost like a founder. We have a very stable foundation from that standpoint. And so I think my job as the CMO is to take that and then apply a some of that that I've learned about scaling up at a very rapid pace, whether it's um, the creativity, uh, bringing the creativity in that kind of environment while still building the processes that allow you to um, do great things, right? Like mistakes get in exponentially bigger at this level. Um, opportunities come and you can really pounce on those like we did with Game of Thrones when we got an opportunity to work with them earlier this year. Um, you know, sort of having that good balance of of experience and that authenticity is something i always think about first when i think about making a really good brand even better and now, and now i'm curious specifically because you you mentioned it you know having these uh, vast experiences with companies in various stages of but nonetheless all phases of growth what do you think separates a brand that is growing like crazy uh, versus a brand that that isn't as much is there and how maybe does authenticity tie into that um and perhaps i'm asking a slightly biased question because it doesn't seem like you've been at any organization that hasn't gone through an insane stage of growth at some point but i'm just curious if you have a perspective there how that might play into the the velocity of growth that a brand might experience i do think that authenticity is a big part of it you know i think having people that um, at the company's core and leadership are super passionate about the product. It's not just a job for them. You know, at BarkBox, uh, the BarkBox was the craziest dog company I've ever seen. I mean, everyone had dogs. It was just part of everything they did and the way they thought. Um, Shake Shack is really largely still run by restaurateurs and people with deep culinary backgrounds. Uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about collabs with the best chefs in the world, not just because necessarily they scale up or do a ton for our business, but because they're really interesting to us. The people that work here are sort of like cutting edge guests who are super into the culinary aspect of Shake Shack. It's just interesting to us. And I think as long as you can keep that fire about, again, back to that foundation, who you are and being authentic, I think that's really important. The second thing I think is... Um, you know, as you think about growing at this scale, you have to add a level of talent to the teams to complement those original founders that now bring in skills that have seen tremendous growth and have built the processes across marketing or technology or operations at big companies and can sort of balance those two things together. You know, because a founder-led company is always struggling with, how do I start to release some responsibility? How do I start to bring new thinking into this, this team? It's really hard to do when you've been uber successful and now somebody comes in and tells you, you're going to have to do it a little bit differently to grow. And so I think we have a really good kind of balance there on our executive team at Shake Shack. And I try to do the same thing within the marketing team that that I bring in here is we want to balance a lot of folks that have been here a while that have sort of institutional knowledge with sort of new skill sets um, that have been out there on kind of the cutting edge of the various uh, things they do. Right. So to, to make sure that folks are always 
on the cutting edge. And, and to go back to that that passion, that fire that you mentioned before, to have people, whether it's having your dogs running around the office all day or, or whether it's genuinely being interested in the culinary aspect of, well, burgers and fries, if you get down to the end of the day, when well, shakes as well, obviously, um, seems highly important. So it's, I'm glad to hear your thoughts on that. Um, and luckily for Shake Shack, obviously that high growth is in part due to the fact that uh, there is a similar fire in the market for people who want to consume, uh, you know, obviously, this type of cuisine, but specifically from Shake Shack, which is always exciting. I'm sure you guys have experienced it. Very exciting to see. Specifically, what I want to get into, though, is those consumers who every day are, are experiencing the, the newest innovation. And may, maybe this is a time when we can start to talk about some of the things that you're doing. Maybe you can explain exactly what Shack Meister means in this answer. But really, uh, what I'm trying to figure out is um, these people come through your doors every single day. They, they either have their order or they're trying something new, um, but they're passionate about it. I mean, the people that I talk to, for example, not two blocks down from me, where I'm sitting and conducting this interview right now in the, in the Northern Virginia area, uh, there's a Shake Shack. This Shake Shack opened up mm, probably a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago. I don't, I don't know the exact time, but immediately, like, no, and there are plenty of places that serve burgers around here. It, whenever somebody was like craving a burger and fries, nobody said anything other than the Shake Shack. And that is 100% true. That's not me pandering. That is just straight up the truth. And because of that, this is all leading up to this question, but basically, how is Shake Shack, from a marketing perspective now, and from building a brand, encouraging people to share that story, to share that passion? Is there some way they can interact in the, with the brand? And maybe not from a marketing perspective, how is it happening through a product perspective? You know, this is a little bit of the answer to your previous question, too, that plays into my answer to this one, which is there is sometimes a magic associated with a business or an idea that's just hard to describe. We are even amazed here when we open up in Manila or Singapore or Mexico City that there will be lines of what thousands of people around the block. And, um, you know, we deal with burger scalping issues around the world where we have to put a limit on how many burgers can be purchased because folks will walk outside and scalp them. Are you serious? Around the shacks. We've had that issue in Manila and lots of different places. And so some of that is hard for even us to understand, right? You, you sort of tap into some zeitgeist or something about popular culture that just captures people attention, people's attention. So obviously that's a, that's a great problem to have. One of the things we've talked about for engaging people is, I would say it's a couple different things. One is we are always looking to do those collabs and those kind of events. And um, we want to be culinary cool and committed. We want to be, um, we've been at Coachella the last couple of years and Austin City Limits. And we go to uh, South by Southwest and we do all sorts of high-end food um events and festivals and so forth around the country because we want to engage with fans and people there in that way. We also have a pretty vibrant social media team and account. We do uh, a great job of, you know, food porn has become such a, a, a thing that people talk about, but we really try to play into what interesting out there is happening on our social channels and connecting with guests and fans. We also, we call our customer service team, the hospitality team. It's core of the Shake Shack DNA. Um, when we have guests that experience a problem in the shack or call in, we try to go above and beyond to really handle that um, and to work with guests to make sure they have an incredible experience, uh, even when their experience wasn't perfect. And so I think those are all ways that we're doing it well now. 
Um, one of the things that we haven't done as well, and I'm thinking a lot about how we do that for the marketers out there, is using user-generated content that we get a ton of and we want to utilize more. You know, at BarkBox, we were really good at sharing that your dog getting the box and all the mania he felt or she felt when he got it. At Shake Shack, we get a lot of that as well. And one of the things the marketing team's thinking about is how do we engage with that much more and how do we use it and share it? Absolutely. I think that that is, is definitely important. And of course, you know, again, we go back to Bark, but um, imagine if people have an excuse to put a picture with their dog on the Internet, they're going to do it. Uh, I'm sure you'd love to get the same sort of reaction from people doing a picture with themselves and their burger. And I guess that probably happens. But, um, you know, it's good to good to hear that that's identified as an opportunity for um, well, just an opportunity going forward. Um, well, why don't we go? Why don't we actually hear for a second? Um, because it's probably a reason to take a picture with their food. Uh, let's talk about the Shack Muster for a second. What, what the heck is that? Yeah. So one of the ways we play into our, uh, you know, that kind of guest fanaticism is um, as we do LTOs uh, occasionally where we put really interesting things on the menu. Shackmeister was a, was a burger we launched in 2014 and it returned in 2017 with barbecue. Um, Shackmeister is, has beer marinated, crispy shallots and shack sauce on a Angus cheeseburger. And we, typically pair that with our Brooklyn Brewery beer and shacks where we have it, but also with shakes. And this, at this point, we're doing it with um, the classic comfort trio, we call it, which is three shakes, cookie butter, malted milk chocolate, and frozen hot chocolate shakes. Um, and a lot of that came from, it was such a big hit in 2017 that we just decided to bring it back uh, this year. And we, we'll modify it from time to time. We're in Texas right now, we're partnering with Shinerbach to marinate those shallots and Shinerbach beer. You know, we'll always look to sort of evolve our classics. Um, and I think Shaq Meister has been one of those classics that we wanted to continue to evolve. And we'll put it on here for a couple months and see how it does. And I'm sure it'll do great. You know, typically, uh, as at least from what I've read, uh, tends to fly off the grill. And it's, it's interesting to know also that uh, there are at least at, at some in some geographies, uh, a bit more of a local effort being pushed. You know, obviously, you, you, if you have the opportunity to put Shiner in the shallots, you're, you're going to do it, uh, as opposed to as opposed to Brooklyn Brewery, depending on where you are. Um, it's on that note, well, specific, more specifically on that note, uh, of getting more direct, more in people's backyards, and, and now in their back pockets with the Shake Shack app, of course. I'm curious to some of the ways that you're building these one-to-one relationships with consumers. Obviously, there is a direct element now that you can do ordering and, and things like that through the app, and you combine that with a promotion, I think, just around this time last year, just about when you started your tenure at Shake Shack, there was a there was a two-for-one that absolutely blew up. But um, I, I'm curious as to how you are building that repository of direct relationships. For most folks, uh, as a matter of fact, with even some uh, QSRs that I've spoken with, some episodes that are that are yet to come for listeners of this show, uh, that is just beginning, but I know that you've been there for a while. So I want to hear how you're doing it, building those one-to-one relationships. Yeah. Well, one thing is interesting. And as you know, and as most folks listening to the podcast who eat, who is mostly everybody knows digital disruption has been a massive thing for the restaurant industry just in the last few years. You think about what's going on with the delivery wars right now with Postmates and DoorDash and Uber Eats and Grubhub um, fighting for business. We just signed an exclusive deal with Grub that we're working with them uh, on delivery. And also the 
increased um, use of apps and web ordering for uh, for products from restaurants. It's something that we quickly become sort of a digital business where we're building out these digital channels. And we've launched our app last year and like it's two years ago now and continue to evolve that app and and try to make the features in that better and recognize our guests and at some point we'll add more and more personalization and customization and i'm sure two years from now i'd love to say we're doing it right now but two years from now we'll be talking about ai in the app and how exactly we can even get more predictive and um, serve our guests needs more on the app because when we think of hospitality it's like we're good at we're good at it in the physical shack now we've got to translate that hospitality to those digital channels. And that's something we're really working on so we can have that same one-on-one -on -one relationship in the digital channels that we have in the shack. Um, so that's very much on my mind right now. Um, one of the scary parts about delivery is it takes us out, right? Because there's an intermediary, inter intermediary that is dealing with our guests in a way that we can't always directly touch. So we're also thinking about how to always make that the best experience possible. Um, and, you know, we've got this saying at Shake Shack that's the bigger we get, the smaller we have to act. Uh, we want to continue to build these channels, but also be very community focused um, in our markets. And it's something uh, we do with donation days in our markets and local chef collabs. And again, as you mentioned, bringing in, I could give you a half a dozen of them, but local ingredients uh, into our shacks around the country. And all of those, I think, create sort of intimate one-to-one -one types of experiences with our guests. Uh, and, and I would say that's how we're most focused on doing it. Isn't it amazing? I, I you know, maybe it's just because I'm not a restaurant executive um, or a chief marketing officer, but, it, you know, uh, two, three years ago, I, you know, I go into a restaurant, I get a burger and fries, I walk out with burger and fries. I mean, that was really it. You know, there was not a huge digital dimension to this at all. And now it literally everybody is talking about it and everybody's working on it, but you're right. It is uh, so much more what has to be done outside of the shack in this case, but just outside of the physical site. And um, I do want to actually, I probably am going to ask you to, to, to rattle off that roughly half dozen things that you said there in terms of building up communities, because it's the next part of this conversation. And that is, of course, you are doing plenty to build direct relationships and one-to-one -one with the consumers who come in and enjoy the food each and every day. However, there is also a big push, and I'm interested into how this has developed in QSR, about being purpose-driven. Um, you've just said that there are things like donation days and other tactics which I'd like to hear, but I'm curious from that perspective too, that's another big key to being authentic is standing for something. So I'm wondering what Shake Shack is doing to be purpose-driven uh, just as much uh, you know, as it is food-driven. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Probably not a, peop a lot of people know that stand for something good, kind of the origin of that, which I, I don't think I knew for the first three weeks I worked at Shake Shack until somebody explained it. You know, at Madison Square Park, where there have historically been such long lines, you were standing in line, right, both to make your order, but then it takes us longer to make food at Shake Shack because we're actually cooking all the food, right? We don't have, they're not frozen items. It's not assembly line. Um, when you start at Shake Shack, you have to spend a week working in the shacks. And I think the biggest impression I had was, wow, this isn't a real kitchen. Um, the amount of prep work and the amount of fresh food we're in there making, and it takes longer. Um, and so Stand for Something Good became that kind of uh, synopsis of how we think about everything we do that's good and authentic to us. And certainly a huge part of that for like a lot of companies is to be um, thinking about 
what is our purpose? How are we impactful in our communities? Um, and, and we've done that with a lot of things. It's our uh, pile my donations that we have in almost all of our shacks for our local concretes. We give those proceeds back to a local community effort. Um, it's working with Pride, which is a very big deal for us um, that we support heavily every year and have been supporting heavily every year. Um, it's also thinking about the sourcing of our ingredients and the types of family farms we work with, whether it's Nyman Ranch um, for our pork and all our products there, our bacon, um, or family farmers like the Golden State Double that we have in the in uh, California, where we use a local family's meat and beef, grass-fed beef. Sourcing is very important to us, and we're super committed to um, the farms that we use and the ingredients we serve. And we kind of—I don't—it it may not be fair to say we started a lot of that, but we were very early on recognizing that that was both an important thing to us, and it was also an important thing to guess. Absolutely, and I think that that's—it's great to. To hear these sorts of things from you, and and I think also, frankly, it's that this is something that that standing up for something good. It, you said it yourself. You, you didn't even know it was the case until you started. Um, I I did not really see it as the case in QSR until very recently. But I'm glad that you're diving into it and leaning into it really hard um, because that's important, of course. Um, it's on that note that I actually want to ask you for some advice, and this is something that listeners of the podcast will know very well because it's something that I do with everybody. But uh, I generally am curious about what you might say to others who are looking to build an authentic brand, and here's why. Folks that listen to this show, they are uh, almost all marketers. Some are students, and some are just students of the craft. They're starting their own brands, whether they're sole proprietors or all the way up to Fortune 500 organizations. I mean, people are really curious about how to build better relationships with consumers and more direct relationships and to get, as you've mentioned, smaller as they get bigger. You've had this opportunity now at multiple organizations and most recently here with Shake Shack. So you've learned how to do it within different environments, a bunch of different times through different methods. So given all that experience and understanding that this is just basically a soundbite that you could really only do in a minute or two, I'd love to know if you have any advice for those people. If they wanted to follow your footsteps, how would they do it? I'm going to give you a different kind of answer to that question, which is... Good, hit me. The usual answers are listen to your guests. And yes, you have to do that. You have to I can't listen. tell you how many t- Can I stop you, Jay? I, you know how many times I heard that? I think it's like the last like 10 podcasts, about eight people have been like, you just got to you just gotta get to where your consumers are. So if you're about to tell me that, all right, fair enough. Most people do. Hopefully yeah. you're about to surprise me. I, I will. Well, that's that's one of the things that you hear constantly, right? But it's true. And, and every marketer in particular, if you're not listening to your guests and being customer focused, you're setting yourself up for problems. Um, I, I think... Um, another thing is I mentioned, which is sticking to the core principles of who you are. Almost everybody will tell you that, like be authentic, the things we've all been talking about, but there's a magic here that is more about, I think, selecting what you want to do if you're an entrepreneur or who you want to work with if you um, already are in the workforce in a serious way. And what I mean by that is when I started angel investing a little bit on the side, when I was in New York City, you know, I was, I was working for Bank of America. I got their permission to invest in some businesses um, that I wanted to get close to the customer again. I wanted to get close to what people were doing on sort of the cutting edge of marketing. And when I would invest and go to these businesses, they would typically come to me and say, I've got this great idea. Man, I'm telling you, it's going to make a fortune. It's amazing, et cetera. And my first question is always, what tells you that people really want this? 
Like, what is that? And there, you can have a number of answers to that. You can say, well, I've gone and done research and data, or I've talked to my grandmother, you know, and my family, and it's something they would use. It's something I would really use. But I really want to know, like, what is that thing that, that consumers are jumping onto that gives you an indication that this is a fantastic idea? And I usually base my investments based on that answer to some degree um, of, of if I'm going to be involved or not, because sometimes it is hard to directly dictate or understand. And I think Shake Shack's a great example of that. I don't think they had any idea how big this would catch on. In hindsight, we recognize a lot of the elements that were unique to Shake Shack that made it work so well. But when you're starting or when you're building that, really the one metric that you can use is, do people just jump on the idea when they hear it? Do they get excited? Do they try your product and lose their minds? And if you don't have that kind of like excitement, um, it's hard to manufacture that. And so when I think of if, if I'm a marketer out there and I'm thinking, who do I want to go work for? Who I want to get involved with or spend my time with? I don't want to try to, you know, my grandfather had a great line always. He's like, this is a Southern thing from Knoxville, Tennessee, but he's like always fatten the fat pig, not the skinny pig. And the idea behind that is it's really hard to put weight on a skinny pig that's naturally skinny, right? It's just easier the other direction. And I think of that as a marketer. My advice would be find something that people are innately passionate about or have already demonstrated that they're passionate about, and then try to pour gasoline on that with your talents. Um, so that's a little bit of a different answer, I think, to uh, because there's no magic way to convince people to do something that they're they're not super excited about organically. Yeah. I, uh, wow. Um, thanks. First of all, thank you for that. You know why? Because, um, it's, it, it isn't exactly like other advice that I've heard. Of course, people say a lot, well, you gotta love what you do, but the, you know, what's funny. Cause I was just having some conversations like in my job about this, that is to find that like fire and find things that are magnetic. And sure, I've never heard the phrase fattening the fat pig, but it makes complete sense. Um, it is truly something that I think people who are listening to this show can can abide by, you know, and, and it, when you're looking for either a brand that you want to build or, or an organization to join where somebody has already built something amazing um, is to look for that and to find the fat pig, as it were. So uh, I really appreciate that advice I really it's been great to hear about you know everything that's going on at, at, at Shake Shack and how you've been personally contributing to that and um and this Shack Meister I have to go out and find that but uh for now I've really appreciated this conversation and and, and thanks so much for for joining us Jay it, it's been a pleasure to have you thanks Adam I've enjoyed talking with you Thank you so much to Jay Livingston from Shake Shack for joining the show today. God, it's come to think of it, I haven't had any lunch today. Maybe I'll head down to that Shake Shack. One just opened up about two blocks down about a year ago, and uh, it deserves another visit. If you like this show, a couple things you can do. First off, stay subscribed. You listen on Apple, you listen on Spotify, wherever, great. Keep us there. But 
Also, LinkedIn, real big for us. It's most of where our presence is. So you can check out Authentic Influence Podcast, all right? It's a page on LinkedIn. It has all of our episodes. It'll have clips. It'll have other interesting tidbits as they become available to me. Uh, So check that out. Give it a follow. That's how you stay in tune there so that you get updates as soon as they're released. Of course, I'm also there personally, Adam Connor. You want to write me? I've been getting a couple more LinkedIn messages recently about people who just enjoy the show or who have recommendations for guests. Um, I really appreciate that. And I I know I've been saying it every episode here for like a year. It just started to trickle in. I got to say, it like makes my entire day. That's uh, just a personal note for me. So if you have something to say, say it, please. And regardless, I'm going to be back on Thursday, right back on schedule with another fantastic interview. This time in the infant space, I'm on with Outlet and their chief marketing officer. So stay tuned for that. For now, and for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.